Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hello, Titanium nerds. Welcome back to the next episode of the Dental Implant Podcast. Um, again, it's it's late in an evening. It's twenty past, uh, nearly twenty past eight, and I'm delighted to have uh, a colleague with us today, uh, today Dr. Balaji, who is who's known for his grafting skills. Um, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago we both uh, lectured at the ADI, didn't we? And uh, I had like. I had, I had a few people in there, some big names in there, and I was like quite happy. When it was time for your lecture, mate, the place was rammed. There was people like literally lined up down the hall. And I remember looking at your cases and thinking, this is absolutely exquisite work. And uh, we're going to hopefully give uh, people some insight uh, into a lot of things today. Um, but what I would like to do is just give us a brief introduction to yourself, my friend. You know, tell us kind of like your journey in implants, because I know that you've had um, training and mentoring with one of the best in the field, um, uh, Istvan Urban as well. So, you know, give us a little bit of background on, uh, about yourself and then, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a little discussion. Sure. First of all, I'd like to thank you, Bob, for inviting me for this. Uh, I'm honored to be with you talking about the you know, implant dentistry, which is because I know it's a very good thing what you're doing. It's an uh, honorable thing for sharing knowledge with colleagues. So thank you for the inviting for me. That is pleasure to be with you. Bit uh, about me, my journey is, uh, as you know, my name is Balaji. Uh, so I started implant journey like everyone. And uh, from start from the placing one, two implants, and feeling nervous, feeling anxious, keeping fingers crossed that it's going to work and going to be long-term success. Uh, then, you know, I learned a lot from my own failure, uh, failures and then, then start exploring to do some cases and things and learn from different mentors around the world. So I practice in Buckingham, in Buckinghamshire, just north of Milton Keynes. My practice is mainly uh, based on implants and hard and soft tissue augmentation. That's all I do at the moment. And I started an um, academy of uh, soft and hard tissue augmentation, uh, short way ASHA, where we do courses and stuff. But anyway, uh, so today, you know, um, we will, you know, as we, I would like to talk to about where my journey started and where I am now and where I'm going to go. Learning, it's a learning is every day. You know, you're not going to be uh, mastering everything. So yeah. We'll start discussion. It'll be great. Looking forward. Yeah, to that. fantastic. So, I mean, it sounds like you've had a similar journey to most of us, where we learn from our failures. <laughs> you know, one of the things that um, that people hear me say time and time again, you know, getting a good mentor is so underrated because you're going to pay one way or another. You either pay through your mistakes or you pay a mentor. And uh, the mentor teaches you through their own mistakes. So it, it is basically an accelerated learning pathway. Exactly. Um, so it sounds like in that context, you know, you, you and I have both been on a similar journey as well. Definitely. So, um, I mean, from my perspective, what I, what I would very much like to discuss is we we hear a lot nowadays that you only need one technique to graft. You only need one material to graft. Um, and for me, that's that, that's very much not the case. Uh, I think there are there are 
certain parameters which are very very important in grafting uh, but how you achieve those there's a, you know there, there's a number of ways to climb a mountain effectively yeah so when yeah. i'm looking at a case um i'm looking at you know how many how, how many defects has this this got i.e where's the blood supply going to come from um for me is how am i going to stabilize the graft as well and how am I going to get uh, uh, um, passive soft tissue closure? And then once the graft is healed, is you know if you've done if you if you've got a passive closure and your 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 keratinized tissue is not in the right place, how do you deal with that as well? So that you know doing a big graft it has a knock on effect on the soft tissue. Yes. And I think what a, a big issue a lot of people make is that they do nice grafts and then don't deal with the soft tissue and that and then it then encourages uh, more problems further down the line. Uh, the other thing that I think we should touch on as well is particularly in anterior cases, this is something that Buter and I uh, have already spoken about, is you are limited with regards to how you can, how much you can graft in any case by the incidental bone peaks. So we, I think we should also discuss the biological parameters of how much you can really technically graft. Sure. So, um, I, I mean, I'll leave it to you where you, where you think we should start from, but, uh, I mean, let's start going through it one bit at a time. You know, actually, the good point you made, uh is the biomaterials, right? We all think that one biomaterial is the best. Like we go on with the brand, like like buying a, some people, you know, like a car. So you go to BMW people and Mercedes people or a Porsche or a Ram. So it's not that, you know, it's the most important thing is don't stick to the brand. My, you know, like you said, my experience from, I'm talking from experiences, I used to stick to one biomaterial because the rep is very close to me or I'm getting you know, more support from them, different ways. So then I made more failures because I tried to stick to one thing. Every biomaterial works within a parameter of clinical uh, you know, indications. That's what the main thing, I like you mentioned it, is to understand the biology type of defect. And it lots involved, type of bone we discussed just before we started, and type of soft tissue, very, 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 very important. And type of periosteum you're dealing with when you're doing a bone graft. All these things you need to gather information before you decide what type of biometal you're going to choose. You mean so any any biometal do work in certain type of cases in certain type of patient. So what we are do most of us we are doing is okay. Oh, this biometal is easy to use and it works for somebody else. I'm going to try this. Of course, go ahead and try, but don't stick to the one technique because you know that technique is may work for that clinician because. His clinical skills, his experience, and what he did does is may be totally different from what he, I do and you do. So if you start with the biomaterial, start with, uh, you know, after taking medical history and everything, type of defect, and what type of defect, is it soft tissue or a hot tissue or a combination, then you think about, is it a horizontal defect or a vertical defect, then find about that. And then you mentioned about as well, if you're doing a pre-maxilla aesthetic region, then you got to more careful about periosteum, how much you're going to advance the flap. Before you take a blade and make a you know incision, you think how much you need to advance your flap to cover your augmentation. So these are the things you know we need you know we need to think about. Then you think about the interdental bone, which is going to help us to build your vertical height. And uh, you know we, we can talk about this for a whole day, yeah, which is really good. You know, be, I, I don't mind spending the whole time, but again. Uh, every step, if you see a case, don't jump in and make a decision straight away. Right, 
open the drawer, use this biomaterial, sit back with all the information, photograph. I take photograph of almost 99 time of my patient because I learned my for my own benefit. Because I look at my photograph taken two, three years ago and I say, oh, this is my work. Okay, let's improve it. So it's self-learning and then re- reflects and learn from the thing. And, and you can share with friends and colleagues and possibly teaching as well. So take photograph of the pre-op and then obviously CT scan, intraoral scanner if you have it, then talk to colleagues. The other thing I like to mention, Pal, when I was started doing implants, which is time 10, 13 years ago, we didn't have mentorship in UK. You know, we, we had to make own mistakes, like you said, and then we, you know what, we learned from mistakes. The good thing about now, where we are, people like you and so, me and so many clinicians are coming out to help our uh, you know, colleagues to you know, uh, jump the hurdles with, with the help. So they don't have to say the mistake you made and I made, and then you know, it's better to use that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> I think in that context, we have the same mentality because I remember how painful it was making those mistakes and how much stress it was as well. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't just keep going on about this because I'm, I'm touting for business, you know, because I'm very selective with regards to the people that I mentor. Yes. Um, because, um, you know, I, I, I really push my mentees a lot. I really get them to think a lot. And some people don't like that. And that's fine. So you know, it's important that, that, you know, and some people, they're going to be fine with, 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 without mentorship because they're going to stick to, to simpler cases but you're right is you know the scope of the field is changing and the whole point is 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 getting people to practice better and more safely you know i want that you know after my mentees have been practicing the same time that i have i want them to be better than me that's what that's what everybody wants right exactly exactly because i want my mentees to think before i start helping them because i can you you can spoon feed them everyone but they are going to learn and i want them to think and i want them to come to me and say, these are the things I'm planning to do. What do you think different? You know what? To be honest, by doing that, I learn a lot from them as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Both ways. So one thing that, that's become abundantly clear is, um, uh, uh, particularly earlier on in my career, is you look at a case and you just go, yeah, there is a defect there. Now, what you said a few moments ago, it's a little bit more than just recognizing that there is a defect. So um, it's quite clear that, that, you know, the level of analysis that you're going into for these defects when you're planning to do grafting is, is, quite, is, is quite a lot more than, you know, I remember when I, when I did my first course, yeah, all your basic implant courses, they have a half day on grafting and it's normally put biomaterial in there and uh, put a membrane on top and close it, it'll be fine. But when you start doing that clinically, and, you know, you put the biomaterial there, particularly if it's a xenograft or something like that, and you put a membrane on top and you go to close it and everything's moving underneath. And then when everything's moving underneath, how is it going to heal? And I think this is a, a, a real problem that, you, and, you know, people need to understand is that, um, you know, is the grafting, it, it does take time to master. And as you said, you do need several different methods of doing it. So um, with regards to analyzing the, the defects more as well, does that alter how you approach cases? So, you know, if, if you've got a certain diet type of defects, do you, do you think to yourself, I'm going to use this type of approach, this type of biomaterial? Does it, does it depend on the patient? Does it depend on the defects? What's going through your mind when you're looking at these different defects? First of all, I mean, uh, like uh, I assess the patient first, how much they're committed to it and you know, to go through, because like you said, you know, they lost 
whatever the nature or God in a way provided to them. And then it's restoring back the giving the teeth implants is not only giving the implant and the, and the crown on it. You're giving them a biotype back to soft tissue biotype back they used to be or matching the neighboring adjacent biotype and then the bone graft and everything. So I tell them, look, if you're coming to me, these are the stuff we are going to do. We do bone graft. Maybe may need to do soft tissue surgery at the same time or three months time. There are several steps involved. And then, you know, and then your commitment needs to be there and patient commitment, patient compliance needs to be there. Some they, Sometimes they say, come on, oh, other dentists have said, oh, it's one, one, one appointment, everything is done. Then, so that sort of patient, you've got to be selection, patient selection is very, very, be careful with that. Once you've done that, most of the time, by the time they come to me now, they know that, okay, this is going to be happening in here. So when I explain to them, spend a lot of time explaining to them and why we're doing it. You know what? Most of the blog, I'm be honest with you, is in our dentist head, not the patient. Yeah. You know what you mean? When patient when patient comes to you and say, "Oh, um, it's going to take you 12 months to have a tooth," and explain to them why the 12 months, they say, "Oh, it's fine." But we are the one thinking, "Oh, 12 months, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to do it." That's what the problem is. Once I explain to them and explain, I use some analogy for explaining to them why we do it. Then they say, "Okay, fine, fair enough." And then the other thing I would say, failure happens all the time, all right? And then it's yeah. okay. Go, things go wrong and failure is okay. And uh, it's nothing wrong with it. We are not a you know, uh, God or anything. We are human. We're doing a technique which worked 90% of the time. 10% patient patients do have failures. Yeah, I think that's important to know that just as we can have failures with implants, absolutely we can have failures with grafting. You know, and it, it, it may be a soft tissue failure, it may be biomaterial integration failure, it may be a combination type failure. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with that. We have to stop beating ourselves up about it. Yeah. Um, something that you and I were discussing just before we started recording, which is something else that, you know, uh, Bill Schaefer and I have, have spoken about uh, on a podcast recently, is we are noticing that patients are coming in, that their, their, their bone is just getting softer, and you know that the, metab- the metabolism of the bone is changing. Yes. So we have to factor that into our treatment planning. Whether we're leaving patients longer, whether we are doing blood tests beforehand, you know, we need to be considering this type of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you know, accept the fact that you know, even the simple cases you may get failures, but you know, the compl- even the more complex cases you may not have a failure. That that's the nature of dealing with biology, right? Right. That's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that, you're right. You know, patient selection. I do everything right. Everything you do it, but still things can go wrong. So you, you know, be, uh, the best thing to do is to be like prepared for it, and then the and managing a complication. That's another big topic. You know, we can uh, talk about it as well as if you have. Yeah. So when it comes to when it when it comes to grafting, what are the for me, there's there's three or four parameters that are important in grafting. How you achieve them? There's several ways to achieve them, but what would what would you say are the are the main things from me from my point of view? And this is something that I learned from Howie Gluckman when I went on his courses. Is you know what what's the size of the defect? So you're trying to figure out where the blood supply is going to come from. Uh, the second one is is how are you going to stabilize the graft? The next one is is keeping the pressure off the graft because if you've got pressure off the, on the graft, it's not it's not going to heal. And then the fourth one is okay. Once that's all integrated, what do you do with the soft tissue? So have I missed anything? Is that your thought process as well? Tell us a little bit more. 
You're right. You know, this, I said uh, the first one is the defect, size of the defect, type of the defect. As mentioned, how soft tissue, hard tissue, combination, vertical, uh, horizontal, or combination of those, all those things. Then what I look for mainly is this, what type of soft tissue that be, that point they have it, the pre-op. And uh, do they have a thin biotype or uh, how deep is the vestibule uh, to advance the flap? What type of periosteum they have? Is it a scarred periosteum? Or let's say the patient had an episectomy several times and root canal treatment, which had a sinus in it on the, on the uh, one of the tooth. Those patients are quite hard to advance the flap. So then we need to... Uh, realize how wide you're going to go or is there any other way of you going to advance the flap for you to close the graft for you so so many things like that you need to first soft tissue flap design i would go think that once you have raised the flap and everything then you look at the uh, when you put the uh, graft you're right you need to fix the graft in place by either what type of if you're using a block graft then you got to have screws you shouldn't have any movement on the graft once you have a small tiny movement then you lost i have mm-hmm. done it in the past you like you said put a uh, biomaterial or whatever it is and tuck the membrane on the top of it and you try to close you can't close then i made a incision bleeding bleeds like anything i see now then my poor nurse tried to help me and he tried to aspirate the bleeding, but she aspirated all the materials and everything off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's happened so many times in my own, in my own thing. So, yeah. then, so th- then you got to release the periosteum in such a way it doesn't bleed, but still you're able to advance it. So then you suturing technique. Depends on what type of membrane you're using. Then you've got to decide, are you going to have a primary closure or a, a bilayer closure? All those things we do that. Then once you've done that, your soft tissue, like you said, mucoclinal junction will be quite moved at uh, different places. Then you've got to think about the soft tissue after that. Sometimes on the same day of graft as well you can do. So there's so many steps. Each and every step is quite important uh, to get the graft going when working for you and the patient. So probably the, 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 the three best grafters on the, on the planet that I know uh, all for slightly different reasons, is um, Prof. Khoury, yes, Prof. Urban, yes. and Ole Jensen. Okay, these guys can, they can pretty much graft any, anything, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who say, you know, the Khoury plate technique is absolutely superb. And it is, I've used it, it is really incredible. I've also seen the results of Prof. Uh, Urban's um, uh, work as well. I think what we should do is, let's break those down a little bit, right? right. So, why do I think that both of these techniques work so well? Because these guys can get really big vertical graphs, right? Is they are respecting all of the principles that we've just discussed, right? They are getting passive soft tissue closure. Yes. And what they are doing is they are really immobilizing the graft underneath. They're just using different techniques to do it. So Prof. Curry uses his autogenous uh, plates, Yes. And Prof Urban uses his sausage technique, which is which is just a stuff PTFE membrane. But the whole point is, is the graft is being significantly immobilized underneath. That's right. Um, Ole Jensen, he uses a lot of uh, osteoperiosteal flaps, so he will split ridges. It's absolutely stunning work. 
and he maintains as much blood supply to the uh, to these graft as what they possibly can. Yeah. So this is why I want people, uh, whoever's listening to this, whether it's two people, twenty people, it doesn't matter. You know, if we can help one or two people, that's great. Yeah. Is it's normally a bit more than that. I'm just giving yeah, example. Is, um, is I want you to think about is that. It's not just the biomaterial. That's what we're both discussing now, right? It's not just one technique. There's several techniques to do it. What you need to understand is the principles behind it. So when you are reading a textbook on grafting, when you are attending a course on grafting, is you need to understand the principles of the technique behind it, right? So that is my perspective. Exactly. uh, have I missed anything there? Am I, am I wrong on that? Is, no, no, you know, you're right. 100% right. Because I, I've done the whole curriculum of uh, Prof. Corey. I've done the whole curriculum of Istuan as well. So I've been doing all the courses and I worked with Prof. Corey for a long time. I worked with Urban as well. So you, the, the basic principle, you're right. You know, the graft should be stable. You know, if you go to orthopedic surgeon, if you break your arm, they put your arm in a sling for six weeks or whatever, 12 months, or put a plate on it because their aim is to keep the broken bone in place, not no, my, not even a micro movement. Yeah. The same principle we are using in patient's mouth and that yeah. lots of bacteria, lots of saliva, lots of movement, lots of changes happening constantly. And that's what we need to have to do. You know, we are not different from orthopedic surgeons in certain yeah. extent. You mean? So when you do a graft, you make sure it's stable. When you talked about the sausage technique, the most important thing I did, uh, uh, one told me was when you do a sausage technique or a PTFE membrane, once you put a pin or a suture, put your finger on the top of the sausage or a PTFE membrane, press. If any movement, even micro movement, you won't get bored. Yeah. Make sure you stuff more and more and more bone in it. And same with Prosco. Yeah. Put so many, he used micro pins, and I used the same thing micro pins he asked us to use. So yeah. micro pins need to be everywhere so that the, the bone doesn't move, and then the passage yeah. comes in. No pressure, like you mentioned, on the graft, no denture on the top, or no bridge pressing on the, the graft. So uh, I, don't, I don't know whether you're aware, I've got, I've got a friend of mine in Italy called Enzo Fotti, and, yeah. um, uh, and I, I, I met Enzo when I did Roberto Rossi's course. Okay. cortical laminar technique laminar, and he yeah. used yeah and he used fibrin glue yes. and they mixed this fibrin glue they put yeah. it into place and then they glued the cortical laminar on it they wait for yeah. it to set 10 minutes and he said to me pav he said just press that he said see how secure it is you could it was it was it was like it was super glued into place it did not move so yeah. going back to that is is you're, you are completely immobilizing the graft. Again, it goes back to basic principles of healing, right? That's so exactly. it is really important to understand. Uh, what I would say is Albrechtson did a really good study where he looked at the uh, angiogenesis into a block graft versus particulate graft, okay? Yes. The angiogenesis into a block graft is 0.05 um, millimeters per day. Okay, the angiogenesis into a particulate graft is 0.5 millimeters per day. What does that mean? That means particulate grafts heal 10 times faster than what blood grafts do. That's why quite often blood grafts, when you put them in place, you come back later, you go to drill into it, it just it just falls off. And this is one of the reasons why Prof. Curie's technique works is because he's taking autogenous bone, but instead of using it as a block, he makes it particulate. But it's the same reason why Prof. Uh, uh, Urban's uh, uh, technique works as well. So again, it's understanding that basic principle is you are allowing the body to heal. So you need that 
you need that uh, lack of mobility. You need that completely stable situation. But you need that blood supply regenerating really quite quickly. The quicker it regenerates, the better the healing you're going to get. That's right. That's right. Now, if you look at Prof. Corey's technique, you know, he uses autogenous bone and autogenous uh, thin layer of uh, cortical plate. It is like less than one millimeter. You can see through. That's what he says. He got to look at the light. You should be able to see through that. So it acts like a membrane, basically, the cortical plate, what he uses. The rest is particulate bony savings from the block, and he just uh, puts in, and that's, that's what it works. And it works beautifully well for him, and, and beautifully yeah. well. Okay, so, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm enjoying this conversation, right? So it's... So we've talked about uh, a few of the parameters involved uh, with regards to grafting. We've gone back to basic principles on this as well. So let's say you've done a large graft. Uh, it's now at the point where the, where, where the graft seems to be uh, taken quite nicely. Oh, before I mention is, what is your average healing time for a graft? Is it dependent on the size of the graft? Is it dependent on the biomaterials that you use? Is it dependent on the patient age and on their health as well? Give us kind of like... Um, because for me, it's not as simple as, oh, use this biomaterial, wait 12 weeks, you're fine. It, there's so many factors involved. What are your thoughts on it? No, that's a good question. You know, it, again, it changes from patient to patient, defect size to defect size, and the type of biomaterial you use. Okay, let me say if it's a patient, let's take one patient. And if I'm doing a, a biomaterial with, with a membrane, which is a collagen membrane, uh, like, um, let's say, membrane to resorbs in six weeks to eight weeks, Still, I don't go back and open for at least minimum four months. If I use a uh, membrane which is going to last longer, let's say it's going to stay there for four to five months, uh, like cross-linked collagen membrane, then I won't do for six months. If I'm using a, a PTFE membrane, a dense PTFE with no perforation in it, then definitely nine months for that. But if I'm using a PTFE, which is now new one, is RPM, uh, which has got a perforation to it, then I would, depends on the soft tissue how it is healing, I would choose six months to eight, uh, nine months, between six to nine months. So mm-hmm. four months, six months, six to nine months sort of thing, depends on the what type of membrane I'm using and what type of biometal I used. Okay. If it's, a vertical, if it's vertical, definitely minimum six months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anything other than that, maybe six, four to six months. So um, what about, uh, so how do you deal with the soft tissue? So once it's all healed, let's assume that the, that the graft's healed underneath. What are your go-to principles for, for dealing with soft tissue? The basic principle for soft tissue for me is uh, um, what I learned from my mentors is I would like to have minimum two millimeter thickness, 360 degree all around the crown, both horizontal and vertical. But this is particular. I'm talking about graft cases, not for you know straightforward implants. So if I have a graft, any type of graft, any biomedical used, then I would look for at least minimum two to three millimeter of keratinized mucosa or thick thickness of the mucosa and around the crown or a bridge, both horizontal thickness and vertical thickness. Yeah. So if it's not there, then I choose depends on what type of soft tissue graft I'm going to do. Uh, it could be sourced from uh, free ginger graft, or it could be a just classical connective tissue graft, or it could be a just uh, deepetilized uh, uh type of graft. Yeah, so many things we can choose. But the basic principle is two millimeter every side. 
Yeah. And I think uh, Linkovicius has, has, has demonstrated that really quite clearly on, on, on a number of, uh, number of occasions that not only do you need an adequate band of soft tissue thickness, you need an adequate thickness of, of soft tissue as well. Um, I think is if you, if you don't have that, you, you will have problems, maybe not in the short term, but certainly medium to long term. And I think uh, it goes back to what you were saying towards the beginning as well, is that, you know, it all comes down to your confidence and how you convey it to patients. Um, you know, is if you convey things to patients with confidence and you say to them, look, this needs to be done and you should be charging for this as well. It shouldn't be free of charge. You know, uh, this is complex work is that can be the, the difference between an implant starting to develop problems after five years versus an implant being absolutely fine for 20 years. You know, so it's um, uh, it, it is a very important important aspect, soft tissue. You know. That's the thing, like I meant, really talked about, like you know, the clinician should be confident enough to do the procedure plus charge for them. You don't do because oh, I, I'm worried about it. I don't want to charge because it's your time and your you know your skills you're going doing it. As I said to you, things can go wrong. It can fail. You know, sometimes when failure happens, I I really take it to my heart and I quite very. Uh, affects me and I speak to my brother he's a cardiac surgeon right and I always ring him pu- purely because I tell him uh, I lost tooth and he says uh, my patient died yeah you know what I mean that's the difference you know he says yours says you lost tooth but my patient died so that's a big <laughs> difference there so I thought, oh fine okay so it's yeah. we, we dentists okay we give them so much things to the patient but still patient can survive patient can live you yeah. know you know, there are so many other surgeons in the world or anybody's, you know, they have a bigger job than us. So Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that's true. You know, it's, w- as soon as I think to myself, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get really good at implants, then I, I see some of the crazy stuff some of these MaxFax consultants are doing with, with, with oncology cases. And you, you, you feel like a complete novice again. You know, I, um, uh, I've, again, I've, I know a colleague in, 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 in America, who's who's a MaxFax consultant, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I did I did a hemi mandibularectomy." He said, "I got rid of a patient's mandible from here to here." Yeah. He said, "The day that I did that, I put um, uh, implants into the patient's uh, 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 shin yeah. into the tibia. So yeah. went back six months later, cut out his tibia, rebuilt his mandible. He said, "This is the post-op." He said doesn't look perfect and i was looking at it going wow i wish my implants looked like that but you did it from the leg <laughs> that's what i'm saying you know we of course you know, we do a great job don't get me wrong we are amazing surgeons our clinic dentist is one of the best professional i, I wish you know I, i'm i'm so happy we are fortunate we are fortunate but again there are some professionals like say my friend is max function uh, consulting pool he operates on uh, all the cancer patients and uh, when i look at it, it makes me humble you know you know like oh come on guys i think you know, that's like, what it is I think what we're trying to what we're trying to express to those listening is when things go wrong, don't beat yourself up about it too much, right? That's what it is more than anything else. So, I mean, you've had some pretty extensive training and grafting. What, what, you know, what, 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 what have you seen that's been like, wow, this is incredible, you know, because you must have seen some awesome stuff. So. You know, I have so many, uh, particularly, prof, you know, I've done so many courses, uh, and then two people in heart tissue augmentation stands out for me: is Prof. Corey and Prof. Urban. And mm-hmm. both are, you know, their own way. They're fantastic. They're amazing. Uh, and then I use a lot of urban technique because it's slightly, for me, it's not the technique. It's for me as a clinician, me alone working here, it works so easy for me. 
So of course, technique is fantastic. But if you have a colleague, like for example, you and me working together, it's, it makes it easy for me, for me. But there are so many of my colleagues, my friends do just prof Corey technique. It works beautifully. And I mix and match. It depends on the cases. Depends on yeah. the severity. And depends on my how much I'm going to cope with that particular case. So I mix and match the thing. So these two guys are in heart tissue regeneration. Fantastic. Another person, uh, yeah, and another thing, person I would like to mention is the Professor Zikoli. He's soft tissue, and he uh, is gives open my like I like wow. These are things you can do. Now I'm quite recently I'm start doing more of soft tissue. Yeah, uh, I'm doing more of soft tissue work. Uh, you know, sometimes like you know, even normal implants I do, I do more soft tissue there, and the results you're getting papillas and stuff you know i sometimes i used to think oh this patient is going to be black triangle but by doing this yeah. different technique you can get papilla you can develop yeah, yeah. you can yeah. guarantee it but yes you can yeah it's, uh, i mean one of my one of my one of my favorite techniques because it's so ex, it's so simple but it's so exquisite <coughs> is the uh palachi flap Oh yes, flap is just a, a stunning, stunning technique. Um, I don't know whether you've seen as well. There's a uh, there's another colleague in France, Anand Simon Pierre, no, and he, I'll tag you in some of his work. But you'll just look at it. You'll go. You'll go. You'll, you'll just look at it and go. That's that's just beautiful work. Yeah. I remember looking at some of his cases and thinking, dude, you, you can't do that. It's not going to be stable. It's hard to and, know. Know. and I said to him, I said, and I said, what, what, I said, what's this like at, at two year follow up? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, the photo that you've just seen is a ten year follow up. And you just oh, go, oh, that's well, my, you know, my mind's absolutely yeah. blown. So I mean, there there are certainly a lot of people out there that we can continually learn from, um, you know, and I'm continually looking to learn and improve as well and in fact it's something that i've said to you is i i i want to attend your course so um i'm I'm aware that you know we've covered quite a lot already so for those listening could you tell us a little bit more about more if they if anybody wanted to learn more about your course what's what's the best way to get in contact what's the best way to learn about that what what do you cover in the course no okay what my my course is mainly the ethos of my course is to we can all can do the techniques which we used to think we can't do it. Right? That's the ethos I want to pass it to, the, to this one on any uh, podcast I do. Because I basic principle is if I can do it, I was everyone like you, I was not max five trained. I was simple then general day-to-day dentist. But what I was trained and put my mind and time to learn things and I'm getting a lot of good uh, uh, success. So what I want for message is to everyone can do it if you put your mind and time and develop your skills. So the my course is from ASHA, uh, the Academy of Soft and Heart Tissue Augmentation, is to tell everyone if you, whoever comes to the course, we what we cover is the type of defect and all those things we talked about, what biometal works for the particular type of defect, how you do it, basic principles, why you do it, not only how you do it, why you do it. And if this happens, what would you do next? And then what type of soft tissue you would choose for this type of defect? So stage by stage, don't go and rush and do everything one time. Stage by stage, depends on the defect you learn. After you, the course, you are not, you know, most of the time I've been to courses, I come back and say, oh, where do I start? How am I going to do it? But this one is we are having a group of clinicians who have done the course. 
we are going to work together and mentor, like you said. We have a yeah. faculty of people who will be one in North, one in Midlands, one in Down South, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. According to skills, they will start mentoring the new people coming in. So idea is everyone can do up to their skills. You know, not everybody could do a vertical augmentation. Not everybody could do that. But even if 20% of people do, does it, it would be great. And this yeah. technique works and it works. So that's what I want to do with the, my course. And um, this is what I will teach. Uh, soft tissue, horizontal vertical augmentation using different yeah. And I, I, I think it's the same as everything, you know, is is once you understand the principles better, yes. A, it will make your core work better, yes. but B, you'll start to understand, you know, actually this is outside of my competency. So what it will do is if you start here, yes. you'll end up 80% of your work better and you'll know that 20% you don't want to touch because you don't do it often enough. That's you can't right. build up muscle memory. This is what I always say, muscle memory, muscle memory, muscle memory, okay? When I first started at Evo Dental, it used to take me four or five hours to do a dual arch. I can, I can now do a dual arch in two, two and a half hours. Sure, I didn't yeah. get that overnight. I got there doing it every single day That's for right. nearly two years. That's why I can do a dual arch in two and a half hours now. Exactly. No. exactly. You know, Sorry. my first case, my presentation case for uh, is two hundred course was uh, six and a half hours. It's just yeah. now I can do the same course in an hour and a half or two. It took me six yeah. and a half hours. Bilateral sinus guard with vertical both sides, and uh, it just took me six and a half hours. I had to video it to present it and all those things. But now I can do in an hour and a half, maximum two. You know, yeah. it, it comes. It you know, the more you do, it, like you said, it comes to you. You will learn. That's right. yep. Well, thank you so much for joining me on an evening. I'm aware it's five to nine. No, it's <laughs> Honestly. So, um, so Titanium Nerds, thank you very much for tuning in. And as I said, it's it's always a pleasure having guests uh, like this uh, on who are prepared to, to, to give up their evenings. Um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. So reach out to, 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 to Balaji and, and, um, and uh, if you're interested in, in his course, I know a lot of uh, dentists in the UK are already aware of you. And it's, it's certainly a course that's, that, that's, on, that's on my radar as well, my friend. You know, th- th- there's two courses I'd very much like to do. Uh, one is Buta Ubi's soft tissues course because, uh, you know, uh, Rudy's been on it and he absolutely raves about it. And, you know, Buta's a nice guy. I've spoken to him before and I've seen his work. I want to do that. And yours is the other course as well. You know, I'm, I'm relatively confident in my grafting skills. But as I said, the moment we think to ourselves – I know enough, we stop our own progression. So we have to constantly be learning, constantly upping our own game. That's right. You know, what I do, I will give my email address and stuff if you want to post it later stage. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with me with their own cases, I'm more than happy to help them. Well, what we'll do is um, when I when I upload it to the Facebook page, um, uh, send me the link and I will, I will put the link in there as well. And I'll do the same in, um, in the LinkedIn and the uh, and the Instagram, and I'll tell my editor to do the same when when he puts it onto YouTube as well. So we'll, we'll try to put a link out there for everybody. Okay? No, worries. thank you very much, and thank you. It's a pleasure, pleasure. And I, I didn't believe, I couldn't believe it's an hour gone. And uh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I go on for another hour easily if you want. To, but yeah, what happens when you're a titanium nerd, right? So that's <laughs> 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 talking titanium, and the time just passes. So that's thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Okay, thank you, Paul.